0: This episode of the Critical Oxygen Podcast.
1: And if we have specific goal races and goal paces for that race, we start doing more stuff based on paces and output. Because at the end of the day, when we go to race, the thing we don't care about the physiology, like the physiology matters, but what matters is the output. Like if you're going to race, we care about how fast you could run. So that's how we're going to train as we get closer to the race. We have specific goal paces that you're trying to hit. We're going to train off pace, where early on we train on physiology.
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Critical Oxygen Podcast, where we help you optimize your physiology and maximize your athletic potential. I'm your host, Phil Batterson, and today we're joined by continuing guest host, Jonah Rosner, where we're going to answer the question, should you only be following a polarized training plan? Jonah, welcome back to the show.
1: Thanks for having me back, always a pleasure.
0: Yeah, it's been it's been fun. We haven't talked in a little while, and uh, the New York Marathon happened and everything like that, so I want to get a quick <laughs> yeah. uh, rundown of how that went and, and what you were up to, you know, throughout that entire week, cause you're in New York. So you were obviously yeah. doing a lot of different events and whatnot.
1: Yeah, no, I was, I was surprised too. Honestly. Um, it was exciting. I think that's probably why we haven't talked in a while, like the week leading up to the marathon and mm-hmm. it was, uh, much crazier than I expected, um, which was cool made me realize on um, that people are starting to respect some of the stuff we're doing in regards to like the applied science standpoint. where last minute I got invited to a lot more dinners and events than I probably should have been invited to, if I'm being honest, but it was a really mm-hmm. good time and a lot of good connections. Cool. Yeah. That was my first New York city marathon because I haven't been back in a while, but it was unbelievable, super inspirational just to see all the different people running, different people running for different causes, whether it was elite performance or just to complete, which was super cool. And yeah, unbelievable experience. I love the marathon weekends.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. It, it, I haven't been a part of too many of like the big marathon because marathons, because I haven't lived in like those big cities and stuff where they take place, but I always see, you know, tons and tons of people, you know, it's like dinners and you, you know, you have like the athletes come in and then you have, you know, like the, you have the people who are like the elite of the elite, right. That are competing in like the New York city marathon. Cause that's like a big deal to win. But then you also oh, have, yeah. I saw some, I saw something today that was like, yo, the last 10 finishers of the marathon. And it was like, you know, people finishing around 12 hours. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that talk about a, yeah. a long day.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's some people who walk and do a lot of different, um, complete in a lot of different ways, which is really cool to see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What was the, uh, what was the coolest thing? Big, biggest takeaway from, from this weekend, you know, for you,
1: I think just the culture of running, honestly, man, and how much it's blown up and how much excitement there is around it. That was my biggest takeaway
0: yeah yeah it, it really is uh it's cool because i get to talk to you who is ingrained in like the the marathon community i get to talk to aaron geyser who is really ingrained in like the iron man community and it seems like all of those communities you know truly are communities where people are supporting each other you know whether you're you're super fast or not the fastest person you know like everybody is extremely supportive and it's it's really cool to see, because that just helps lift everybody else up at the end of the day within, you know, all of those communities and stuff. Yeah, it's empowering.
1: It's a very unique experience for me, because obviously before this, I was at a different level of sport where it's just the elites Mm -hmm. and the elites are on this pedestal. And if you don't play the sport at that level, you just don't play the sport at that point in your life. Right. But this is unique in regards to we have elites running the exact same event or the same sport. As people who are finishing in twelve matters at used twelve hours, as you alluded to, but yeah. everyone's supporting everyone. It's like the first time I've ever been part of a supporting event like that, which is really cool.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. It always it always makes you it makes you want to go back. And I'm sure you're going to get that support too when you go and do uh, Philly at the end of November, right? Oh
1: man, it made me it made me want to rip for sure. The next day, yeah. I went out there. I think you saw on my Instagram too. And I wasn't planning on doing this, but I woke up and I was like, I'm just going to go for it because I needed to do a peak week workout which the marathon kind of put a damper in since the roads were closed. So I had to do it the next day mm-hmm. and I just decided to go for it and did 18 miles at like a 635 pace, which was, yeah, out Dang, of body dude. experience for my current fitness. And, um, four months ago, not running at all to that is, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe someone's been sneaking some EPO in my water. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's explanation. The, that's it's, the key.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. That's I don't the think I could have run one City. mile
1: in six thirty-five like six months ago. So
0: Yeah. It's been that's cool. awesome, man. Well hopefully that bodes well for your uh your actual performance coming up in Philly then.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean I could run like a I'm at the point that I'm like I can run like a two fifty or I can run like a three forty five. <laughs> so we'll just see what happens.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean and and that's a that's actually kind of a, a great juxtaposition is that you know you can kind of you can optimize your training and you can have, you could have one bad day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can have, you know, like the best workouts of your life and stuff like that, but performing on the given day is, you know, really what it kind of comes down to, especially if you are pursuing performance. Um, yeah. but by training optimally, you're kind of going to put yourself at better odds of, you know, of hitting that 250 versus hitting you know, the, the 340 that you were talking about, but you know, it's, yeah. So, so that kind of brings, you know, me to the, the big question of the day is, you know, what is the best way to kind of go about training? (laughs) And there's, there's tons of debate on, Oh, you need to do polarized training or you need to do pyramidal training, or there's even people who do threshold training a lot. And, and for those of you who don't know, threshold training is, a style of training where you're essentially doing mostly threshold work. So if you're in a three zone model, it's like zone two. If you're in a five zone model, then it's zone three. And it's what a lot of coaches would probably say is like more of that, like either gray zone training or, um, junk miles. Uh, yeah, I hear other people call it, but it's essentially, um, you know, there, it is something that has worked for people in the past, um, but the big question is, is, you know, sh- what sort of training intensity distribution should we do? So Jonah, if you want, if you wouldn't mind giving us a definition of like, of polarized training, pyramidal middle training, and then we can kind of go from there because there's been some really cool research that's recently come out that I think, uh, flies in the yeah. face of some of the recommendations that have been made, uh, sweepingly over the last like 10 years or so.
1: Yeah. It's definitely some murky waters in regards to the idea of periodization and training distribution. Mm -hmm. Um, program. But yeah, just quick definitions. We think about um, polarized versus pyramidal, which are probably two of the two most common ones you hear about in endurance sports. Mm -hmm. So if we split it up to that three zone model, as you alluded to with your first or your first metabolic threshold, your second metabolic threshold, polarized training essentially just means that the majority of um, your workouts are going to occur below that first threshold, right? Mm -hmm. And then the next majority or then uh, another larger amount is going to occur above that second threshold, so in that third zone. And then the least amount of training is going to occur in that second zone in between the first and second metabolic se- uh, threshold in polarized training. So essentially the way it works is zone one is the most amount of training, zone three is the next amount, and then zone two occurs the least amount of training in a polarized mm-hmm. model. You kind of, mm-hmm. They kind of like avoid the zone two area, if you will, um, just for a basic definition. Where pyramidal yeah. training – Similar base, which is interesting, that commonality, how the most amount of training occurs below zone one, but then the main difference is zone two you have more training than zone three, so essentially most of the training is zone one, zone two, and then zone three occurs the least amount of training time
0: yep yeah and and the big the big idea of or where this idea that polarized training is probably the most Uh, economical or best to develop your, you know, fitness over time comes from is that there were researchers who started to study, you know, elite level marathoners, uh, tour de France cyclists. And they, and what they did is they tried to quantify their training intensity over the course of a year, over the course of a season. And then what they saw is that essentially 80 plus percent of that volume was occurring below zone one so we're talking about a three zone model here so uh if the if you're in a five zone model that would be below zone two or at or below zone two and then they and then they were doing a lot of work at or above zone three so vo2 max work sprint or high intensity interval work sprint interval work uh those sort of things so that brought along this idea that oh I need to start training like the pros and to get, you know, to, to optimize my training response and everything like that. And in order to do that, I need to do 80% of my work at lower intensity and 20% of my work at higher intensity. Um, and that's, that sparked so much debate with it within the world is like, Oh, well, is it based on, is it your, your sessions? Like, you know, should you do one session a week? That's, uh, you know, if you, if you work out five times a week, should you do one session a week? That's high intensity. And then the other four sessions are easy. Should you quantify it by heart rate? Should you quantify it by power? What should, what should you do? Should you quantify it by RPE? And, you know, cause each one of those could potentially give you slightly different distribution, uh, distributions based on, you know, those intensities and where those, uh, you know, different thresholds are actually, occurring at um, so do you want to do you want to add anything to to that idea of where polarized training actually came from
1: no i mean i think you pretty much hit the nail on the head
0: that's exactly my understanding as well yeah um and you know so so that i mean that's it's echoed by you know like the health community uh, peter atia is a is a huge proponent of um you know of this polarized training where, you know, he recommends a lot of zone two work and then a lot of high intensity interval work. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I don't think, uh, I, I think you you can get very fit. You can certainly get very physiologically fit by doing something like that. Um, but where I kind of pause is, I think it's a little bit, it it simplifies training too much where it's like, Oh, I'm just going to focus on easy and then hard every single day. And then you don't even think about what your, uh, yeah. you know, race goal is or anything like that.
1: Yeah. I think if I could summarize it very quickly, the reason I'm not a huge fan or I, I have polarized training models at different times of the year or based on different athletes. But the reason why I feel polarized training misses the boat is a lot of these distance events, like a marathon, half marathon, etc. cetera take place between the first and second metabolic threshold. Mm-hmm. And we know that, and we know that a key, um, we know that's something that's extremely important in periodization is specificity of trading to the yep. vet demands. So if your event occurs between that first and second metabolic threshold, you better do some trading there before the vet. And to do that, that's gonna need to have been in that gray zone.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if, you, if you're not doing training in that race specific intensity, you're going to set yourself up for, uh, you know, things like, um, like cramping during the race or, you know, not fully realizing that potential because your body has not become accustomed to running at whatever speed that is. And I'm speaking from experience here where I was like, Oh, I'll just do uh sprint treadmill work. Uh, you know, in the mornings when I train and then I'll go and I'll do, um, you know, a long workout, once a week and then i'll try to get as much like you know kind of steps in as i possibly can so i was essentially doing mainly zone 2 work with some sprint interval work and then i was going to race you know like an 18 miler um you know kind of like flat undulating trails and sure enough cramped at the at like the the 16 mile mark and it was absolutely miserable and i kept banging my head against the wall being like what the heck is going on like i keep cramping up during these races and I, I don't think it's even, it was specific
1: yeah, I think it's that, but you also got to think about like those physiological and neuromuscular adaptations that occur at specific demands, right? Right. It's like you want to teach your, like we have a lot of research that shows that your running economy or like you'll be, you become most efficient at the paces you train at, mm-hmm. right? So like there's neuromuscular adaptations that occur there, specific like fatigue resistance ad, adaptations that occur like in the type 2A muscle fibers or whatever, between that first and second metabolic threshold. So if you want to get your body to be the most efficient at working at your race pace, you have to train there. And that's the best way to improve your running economy at that race pace.
0: Yep. Yeah. It's exactly. the law of specificity. Yep. It's it's the law of specificity. So then so then the question becomes, okay, well, you know, zone two training. Okay, it's it's probably still beneficial because you can develop things like your VO two max. You can develop a a base, and we know that developing a large base and, and accumulating volume is important for uh, you know, developing athletes overall. But then the question becomes, okay, well, if I can't do zone or if I can't do my polarized training, then what, then what do I do? And, um, I'll what, so what's your approach with this, Jonah? And we have talked about this on, on the podcast a number of times, but I just want you to reiterate kind of like how you go about like, so for example, if I came to you, and was like, Hey, I want to run a marathon in November and you know, it's January. You know, like what sort of approach would you would you take to that? Yeah,
1: um, and definitely. There's a lot of contextual factors that I think go into play, but a lot of it's like their training history, what kind of training they've done beforehand, training age, so we know what kind of volume and intensities they can handle, um, all those different things where they are physiologically. But I would say there's a few rules that are steadfast laws to me that apply in any periodization, which is general to specific. And again, that loss specificity, making sure there's some elements of specific trading. My periodization has been heavy, like if it's heavy influenced by like a funnel methodology, I would say, like that genre specific where you start at paces faster than marathon performance, paces slower than marathon performance, and then you slowly funnel in. So both sides, of it get closer and closer to marathon performance, so the speed work gets slower, gets closer to marathon pace, that base work gets slightly faster, closer to marathon pace. And all the different elements of like um, VO2 max stimulus or like an endurance space, speed work is present throughout the year, but how much volume and what we emphasize is different based on where we are relative Mm -hmm. to the race. So as we get closer to the race, like we'll do a VO2 max session, maybe once every two or three weeks, because it's not as specific. It's still present but like all the threshold there's a lot more threshold work as we get more specific to the race Mm -hmm. so i think if we're connecting it back to some of these topics we've been talking to the way my typical model would probably start is maybe it's a little more polarized at first as we're far away from the race where there's a lot of base work first we start off with a ton of easy base work Mm -hmm. we sprinkle in some sprinting stuff some very high or not sprinting but higher intensity speed work maybe a little threshold work and then as you get closer and closer to the race people will notice oh it's a lot more threshold work or a mm-hmm. lot more um, volume at work that's faster in between that first and second threshold. So some of that work in there, but longer durations, and it's all just in preparation to get you more specific to the race demands. Mm-hmm. I would say so. It probably starts off a little more polarized at first, maybe, and then as we get closer, it probably gets actually more pure middle.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's I how I go about it. That's that's exactly how I would approach things with with individuals as well, and I think that's what a lot of really good coaches actually do is you know they don't just say okay well polarized training seems to be what all you know elite level endurance athletes do therefore i need to do only polarized training with my athletes It's like no you need to have the law of specificity here and you need to have um progression within that specificity as well and you the further out yeah you can go from general which is why we see, you know, people in the base season, you know, base training time go from, you know, pretty high volume at pretty low intensities with a few high intensity days, maybe exactly. to, you know, when you're like, I'm sure you're building up, you know, for that marathon. And it's like that 18 that you did the other day was probably pretty close to marathon pace. Like it wasn't.
1: Yeah, it was very close to go marathon pace for like a long yeah. run earlier on would have been a lot slower.
0: Right. So you're just, just trying like really to get, like get the microphone. miles in. Yeah, you're just trying to get the miles in when you first start and then and now you're like, okay, well I gotta hone I gotta hone the blade of this sword. Yeah. And, exactly. And- so when
1: I first start, it's about like getting the miles or the accumulation of volume to yep. get myself to where the mileage I want to hold throughout my marathon prep. And then as we get closer, the miles get faster essentially. Mm-hmm. So the volume may actually slightly go down in terms of mileage, but the speeds are closer to marathon. So a lot of the miles are slightly faster, I would say. Yeah. Or and- just closer to
0: marathon prep. Yeah. So from a, so from a technology perspective or, you know, like how, how you were monitoring intensities, how were you, how does that shift throughout the year? Cause I imagine, like, I kind of have some ideas, but I want to, I want to know if your your yeah. ideas are kind of the same way as mine.
1: I think I periodize the ways that I use technology or the way I go about programming very similarly, mm-hmm. where I view physiologic like the physiological basis in my mind is The physiological basis gives us the general support for the speeds we want to run in a marathon. Mm -hmm. So I take a very physiology-heavy approach in the general prep phase when we're first getting started. That means a lot of technology, and that means a lot of training based on where you're at. So a lot of modernity with lactate, a lot of modernity with NEARs. That way we're very specific with the physiological stimulus we're giving you because the goal during those base phases is to raise the roof on key physiological stimuluses, Mm -hmm. raise like your first threshold. Then as we move closer, work on raising your second threshold. But as we get closer and closer to the race, I would say the technology actually gets pulled out a little bit. And if we have specific goal races and goal paces for that race, we start doing more stuff based on paces and output because at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, when we go to race, the thing we don't care about the physiology, like the physiology matters, but what matters is the output. Like yeah. if you're going to race, we care about how fast you could run. So that's how we're going to train as we get closer to the race. We have yeah. specific goal paces that you're trying to hit. We're going to train off pace where early on we train on physiology.
0: Yep. Yeah, I I 100% agree with that. And I think, uh, you know, the, as, as simple, it's not simple, but as straightforward as that sounds, I still think there's a lot of people out there who are like, well, I just trained by heart rate all year round, or I just trained by power output all year round. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. But I do think that if you're trying to optimize your training, focusing on the physiology in the beginning, seeing what your heart rate is doing, seeing how your lactate values are changing or your nears values are changing and running or exercising to elicit the correct physiological stimulus at the beginning of the season is important because that's what you're targeting. Whereas as you get closer to that race performance is based on how fast you can get across that finish line. It doesn't matter what your heart rate is during that finish line, what your lactate values are, anything like that. Obviously there's some level of pacing that might be useful for say like beginners or people who have a tendency to, to go out way too hard and then crash, but you should start to feel, Oh, you know, six, six thirty pace is maintainable for me for a long, you know, for 18 plus miles or, Ooh, it's not really maintainable for me. So is that really a realistic marathon goal that I have? Um, so yeah, I think, I, I think that's also, that's, that's super interesting. It's, it's periodize, you know, both the, the distribution of your training intensities, but also periodize the use of technology throughout the season. Um, exactly. And, you know, it's everything
1: (laughs) like no, Yeah. Like the way I look at it, if I could summarize it in one sentence is early on, it's a physiology based approach, the internal, what the internal response is going to be. And as we get closer to the race, it's about output. Yep. It's an output based response. It's about speeds.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, that's actually, um that's a really good point and it kind of plays into the paper that you and i were discussing offline um it's a it's a paper that was published in in frontiers and Physiology or frontiers in sports and active living um which is a, a frontiers and physiology source uh, based uh, open source journal but the title is the proportional distribution of training by elite endurance athletes at different intensities during different phases of the season um and one of the big things that i think people miss is that even though the elite level athletes seem to be doing polarized training all year round, they're actually not. And what this paper tried to do is try to show or try to illustrate that by, you know, taking into account a number of different, they call it TIDs, training intensity distributions and how they're measuring it so so this paper is really cool because they say okay well there were uh tids that were heart rate based there were ones that were power based there were ones that were speed based and then based on that you actually get different training distributions in correspondence to whatever you're measuring so sometimes they're physiological other times they're more mechanical output you know like more your performance variable output um but if I could summarize a lot of data, because they looked at a ton of different training intensity distributions. If I could summarize a lot of data really quickly is that the longer the event, the more polarized your training starts. So in the base building phase, and then it gets more specific. So exactly what Jonah was saying, right? Is towards the competition phase of things, you get more into that threshold work, maybe a little bit under threshold, but you're bringing up that uh, low end speed you know, your, your quote unquote zone one or zone two, whatever models you're, you're thinking about, you're bringing that speed up and then you're bringing your interval speed down. So you're actually kind of funneling what your outputs are. Whereas in the beginning of the season, you're, you're more worried about just, you know, simply getting in, in volume and then keeping that high intensity gear, uh, you know, still engaged, developing that VO two max, because you're probably not going to be, you're definitely not going to be developing VO two max to the same extent towards the end of the season exactly yeah yeah um no that so, was
1: my main takeaway from it too it's essentially that those are a few key points most endurance training the the commonality we do see is that zone one so that's yeah. important to learn from that it's a lot of easy volume work is the commonality mm-hmm. but there's no magic pill after that and that it seems like the athletes who have the most success first of all we need to get better at defining like all these different training and of these distributions was the takeaway for me but number two are the ones who periodize that they change the distribution based on where they are on the time of the year, which is what you were just alluding to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know, if, and you were saying this in an earlier podcast episode where, you know, one of the biggest challenges you have, or you see with uh, the running community is that people go out and they run the same pace every single day. And it's, it, it's, it's one of those things where that is uh, the antithesis of either either polarized or pyramidal training. Like you're just doing what we defined as as maybe threshold training, right? Because you're you're not exercising easy enough for it really to be kind of deemed that like zone one or zone two kind of recovery sort of style training where you can accumulate a lot of volume, but you're not exercising hard enough to increase your thing like things like VO2 max threshold because it's it's under both of those. So then what you end up doing is you end up kind of spinning you spinning your wheels. And I I think that is a pitfall that a lot of us have, especially, especially if your goal is performance, you have to drop the ego, you know, stop looking at Strava and what other people are, are doing and say, okay, what's best for my body on this given day. And you know, if it's, if it's, I need to go easier, then, then go easier. And, you know that's something that where i think like things like uh physiological variables heart rate near infrared spectroscopy lactate values to some extent are are useful right because they they give you an indication oh my my body is working really hard for whatever output that i'm trying to get it to do and i do i see i see all the time people being like oh well you know my Or heart rate, you know, like heart rate changes based on if it's hot outside, if I'm dehydrated, if I'm fatigued or other things like that, therefore I shouldn't, you shouldn't use heart rate. I'm just like, no, that's actually one of the reasons why you should use heart rate is because it's telling you how your physiology is responding to all the different factors that are affecting your body internally, not just speed and not just power.
1: Exactly, man. No, I couldn't agree more. I try to get everyone out here to weigh heart rate because for me it, it is really important to understand what's happening from an external standpoint, the output, but we want to know the physiological cost. Mm-hmm. And that can change based on the day to day. That could be a good indicator of fatigue or a good indicator where we need to change the workout to make sure we're actually getting the desired adaptation we're going for.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I've worked I've worked with uh, a number of athletes who are like who I try try to convince them, okay, you gotta go easier, you gotta go easier. And if you're somebody who is against going easier. First of all, I I would just implore you to kind of dig a little deeper. Why is that? Why is that? Right. Um, But then I would also just ask you, okay, well, if you do two weeks of easier training, would you be like two weeks of easier training? How is that going to change your physiology, your output, how you feel about training and all of that? Because worst case scenario, you do two weeks of that, everything just goes to shit, and then you just go back to training the exact same way that you were training. But I can almost guarantee you that if you do the two weeks of easier training, you're going to see, you're going to feel better, you're going to sleep better, your high intensity work is going to be better, you're going to be able to absorb that high intensity work better. And then, you know, you're gonna be able to progress and actually be faster because that's one of the, yeah, that's, that's one of the most annoying things as a, as a runner is that, you know, you put in all this time and effort, you go running every single day and then you don't get better on race day. Like talk about like a futile effort. (laughs)
1: Exactly. I think, um, I had a really well-known coach say to me the other day, um, who I respect a lot for when he said it's like they can't absorb the training and mm-hmm. you have to teach them that they need these easier runs so they can absorb that intense training.
0: Yeah, it, exactly. And again, it, it depends on where you're at in the season. It depends on, you know, like it depends on a lot of a lot of things, but that also opens up the door for reasons why having a great coach or just a coach in general is, is important because they're going to be looking at your performances they're going to be looking at how you're progressing or not progressing and you know they're going to say okay well uh, you know I want you really to focus on heart rate for say like easier workouts and then I really want you but on the flip side of things I really want you to focus on speed for VO2 max workouts right um, and, and and it's building in that nuance and sometimes I think as as a lot of us who probably listen to this this show um, are Type A individuals who want to control everything, and uh, one of the one of the things that happens when you try to control everything and don't give somebody else outside viewing of what you're doing is that you overestimate your ability to uh, take on stress, to do workouts, to do other things like that. So just having another eye or lens on things is really important, uh, you know, for your continued progression. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, any, anything else on, I I think, I think we covered, you know, pretty much everything we have, have a little bit of a shorter episode today, but I think we covered everything we really wanted to just talking about this myth that you have to do polarized training all the time. Um, but it really comes down to polarized training, kind of in the off season, switching to more specific training as you get closer to your races or your goal race, and then, you know, kind of, kind of going in and out of, going in and out of that periodically throughout the year um that's gonna give you the most potential for success
1: yeah no i mean i couldn't agree more that's essentially my summary of it as well just have some element of periodization throughout general generally specific mm-hmm. and there's no really one right periodization or one right in, in intensity distribution
0: yeah yeah. It's all at the end of the day, the the best coaches are going to individualize everything for you, um, as the individual, and they're going to, you know, take into account what your stress is, what your, uh, you know, training age is, uh, everything else you do outside of the gym, all of that. And, uh, the, the goal, right. You know, the, the tagline of this podcast is teaching individuals how to optimize their physiology to maximize their potential. We're giving you tools to, hopefully think and problem solve a little bit more rather than just blindly you know follow say i did polarized training for a year and this is what happened you know some of those those youtube videos and i'm not i'm not saying i think for a lot of people it could be beneficial um but you're going to be leaving uh potential gains on the table if if that's all you're doing and you're just following one uh training training in uh, training intensity distribution awesome. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, cool. Well, uh, with that, we'll wrap it up. Uh, you can find me at critical O two on Instagram. You can find Jonah on Instagram at Jonah underscore Jar performance. Um, if you have any questions or comments, direct them to us on Instagram or uh, comment down below if you're on YouTube uh, and we'll catch you guys in the next one.